of you, I hope this morning you are ready for a blessing. Uh, we have sharing God's word with us and sharing what the Lord's laid on his heart, uh, Dr. Don Litchie. Don is a, uh, he's a uh, vice president and a psychologist serving at Emerge Counseling Services. And I don't know if anybody in here has heard of Emerge as a, as a ministry. I've heard of it for many, many years, a very credible uh, ministry that's in the Akron area. And uh, Don is a dear man. Uh, he's been spending a lot of time with Steve and with Lee and has really been an encouragement to him in this time where the Lord is doing things in Steve's life and, and just through the health-related issues. Sometimes it's valuable to have somebody that can run alongside of you and just say, hey, the Lord has a purpose, the Lord has a plan. And so Steve knows that, and he's uh, wanted to have Don come and share with us this morning. So I think we're all going to be blessed by hearing what the Lord has laid upon Don's heart. And I'd encourage you as Mission View to welcome him as he joins us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning, Mission View. I am uh, very, very glad to be here. Uh, as I say sometimes, I'm glad to be anywhere. And that may become a little more obvious as we go along this morning. Um, I uh, want to say, first of all, thank the Lord for his presence here this morning. Uh, I am not a preacher. Uh, Steve is a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm a psychologist, I'm a teacher. Uh, but I'm not a preacher, but I want to be able to share God's Word with you this morning in a faithful way. The number one goal of today, above everything else, is that there would be something sparked in your heart that would drive you to want to have, to desire to have, to have a compelling uh, push, to have a deep and personal an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that happens this morning, as a result of God speaking to your heart, God's Word becoming alive, if the Holy Spirit takes the truth of His Word uh, the long distance from the head to the heart, and there's something that is sparked within you that says, Jesus, you're the one. I am going to do everything I can to seek you, to love you, to follow you, to be your man, to be your woman, to be your young person, to be your senior, to be with you, and to love you, and to serve you, and to follow you for the rest of my life with everything I've got, with the deepest passion that I can have in my life. If that is accomplished this morning, it will have been good to be here in the house of the Lord at Hoover High School. I mean, this is like great to be here. So thank you for coming. I am praying now that the Lord will open your heart. And Lord Jesus, I come in your precious and holy, unstoppable name. Thank you, Lord, for our worship team today who has ushered us into your presence, allows our hearts and minds to be in the place where our bodies are so that we can be here together. We're gathered together in your name. We are your people called by your name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bind our hearts together this morning to be one in Christ so that your Holy Spirit can move and, uh, and, and have your free reign to do what you want to do. Lord Jesus Christ, be lifted up. And I pray that our hearts would be sparked 
would be drawn to you, a compassionate, compelling love for you above all else. In Jesus' name, I pray. And if you agree with that, would you just say, yes, Lord? <laughs> okay. Can you do any better than that? Come on. This is, this is Mountain View. So we're, or Mount, no, I keep saying it's Mountain View, but it's not Mountain View. It's Mission View. I've had, okay, now you can say yes, Lord. I've had Mountain View. I keep thinking Mountain View. That's not right. That's not quite right. But, uh, but it's Mission View, and, I, and it's really cool because you have a mission, and you are viewing that mission constantly, and it's a wonderful thing. So we're talking about a series as uh, Pastor Steve and Lee are uh, hopefully getting some rest today. I can't imagine the winds howling and wherever they're at, I just pray that they would be able to connect with the Lord Jesus Christ and be strengthened. Uh, as you know, and Steve said to me, Don, uh, you are welcome to share anything you want to share. And I said, well, Steve, there are HIPAA laws, you know, and I don't want to be arrested or lose my license. He said, look, my people know uh, what I'm going through and what we're going through together as a, as a church and as a couple and as a family. And all I can tell you is that uh, I, I know this absolutely positively that your pastor and Lee love you so much. And they want to be used by God as long as they possibly can, as long as the Lord gives him breath, uh, however long that's going to be. That's not guaranteed to any of us. But he loves you. He loves Jesus Christ. He wants to be faithful to teach and preach and lead in, uh, in this community of faith that, uh, that is here. And I'm very grateful that I can be part of it this morning. So with that in mind, we are taking from our passage this morning, a passage from uh, the great prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in fact, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 29. There's a passage there, of course, that is very familiar to many of us. And I'm just going to count that our uh, tech people are going to move us along. And so we're ready to go to the next slide. Or I'll just go like this or something like that, and we'll just know. Now, that, is that small up there? Can you see that? Uh, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. This is found in Jeremiah chapter 29, a familiar passage. I don't know if you knew it or not, but Jeremiah takes up more physical space in the Scriptures than any other book in the Bible. Uh, he's got a lot to say, and when he says it, when he talks... For the most part, he has lived his whole life and ministry with people that are out to get him. They don't like him. They don't like his message. They don't like him. They try to destroy him. And yet he continues year after year after year after year to try to be faithful, to teach the Word of God, to proclaim the Word of God. God speaks to him. And in fact, there are times when Jeremiah says, are you kidding me? This is not the message that people are going to be drawn to. This is not going to big, uh, bring the, uh, the big crowds. Uh, this is going to be a message that is going to be actually pungent and it's going to be pugilistic. In other words, it's going to knock them out. And God says, okay, <laughs> preach the word. <laughs> and Jeremiah says, uh, okay, I will do the best I can. So that's what Jeremiah does. In Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, let me set the stage just a little bit. 
God is, God, we'll start with God. God is, God has spoken. God has spoken in ways that we can understand. He has revealed himself to us in nature. He has revealed himself to us in his word. He has revealed himself to us in his son. When God speaks, it is probably a wise thing to listen and to pay attention. So God raises up out of a garden uh, two people and out of their line, even though they sin, he creates a family and out of that family creates a tribe and out of that tribe creates a nation. That nation goes into uh, captivity, as you know the story in Genesis, and after over 400 years, God miraculously brings them out of captivity in Egypt. He brings them on a four-day trip that took 40 years through the wilderness. I mean, it only takes about four days if you're walking, but it took them 40 years. They kind of lost their way, as you know. But finally, they get into the promised land, and God, before he goes in, he says, look, I want you to love me. I want you to serve me. I want you to trust me. I want you to own the things that I own, love the things that I love, hate the things that I hate. And if you will do that faithfully, you will be my people, and blessings will come your way. And the people said, yay, we're going to do that. Well, they go into the land, and sure enough, as you might guess, they look around and they say, wow, these people have got it a lot better than us. I wonder what they're doing. Oh, they're serving their other gods. And God says, stop, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't serve these other gods, don't go after these things, don't go after your earlier attachments, don't go back, love me only. He, in fact, he gave them these 10 commandments of which the greatest was, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, your might, love me more than anything else, trust me, serve me, and if you will do that, things will go well, but if you don't do it, something's going to happen that you don't like. And as time went on, they did not follow after the edicts of God. And he raised up a kingdom in Babylon. And he said uh, uh, through the prophet Jeremiah, these people from Babylon are going to come and they're going to destroy your city and they are going to take you into captivity and they're going to take you into captivity for a number of years. Well, that message was not the popular message. So other false prophets began to rise up and they said, ah, don't worry about it. It's just a minor inconvenience. In fact, you, in fact you're going to be in captivity, but it's no big deal. After a year or two, we're going to be right back in business. We're going to be back at the temple. We're going to be worshiping God. It's no big deal because after all, uh, you know, this is what we want. And when you are going through a difficult time in your life, there's going to be a lot of people that say, oh, it's no big deal. Just trust God. No big deal. It's no big deal at all. Just, and it is a big deal. And so here comes Jeremiah. So Jeremiah proclaims, in fact, if you were to go back, which we won't do to today, but in Jeremiah chapter 28, the false prophets come along and they say, hey, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's giving you bad news. You don't need to listen to him. In fact, uh, it says, all right, we're going to wear this yoke for a couple of years, but it's no big deal. Jeremiah says to these false prophets, well, guys, here it here's the way it works with prophecy. Uh, this is not going to be neuroscience. If what a prophet 
says happens, then he's a real prophet. And if what the prophet says doesn't happen, then he's a false prophet. Got it? Pretty clear, right? So here these false prophets are saying, next year in Jerusalem, it's no big deal. And God said, no, uh, actually, you're going to be in this place called Babylon for quite a long time. So let's pick it up, and here's what the Scripture says. Jeremiah chapter 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent to, from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles. They remember, they were taken en masse to Babylon, and uh, they were not very happy there. But they took Babylon, they had this, this way of disrupting culture. They would take people out of their normal culture, bring them over to Babylon, keep them there long enough to teach them and train them all of the ways of the Babylonians. You remember the story of Daniel? And uh, they would teach them and train them, and then oftentimes they would send them back, but they would actually be Babylonians. So he says, I want you to send this letter to the elders among the exiles and the priests and the prophets and all the other people that Nebuchadnezzar has carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, and he says, this was after King Jehoiakim uh, and Queen Mother, the court officials, etc., and the leaders, uh, the craftsmen. The, in other words, they took the best and the brightest, and they had gone into exile. Verse 3, he entrusted the letter to uh, Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and to uh, Jemira, the son of Hilkiah, and so forth. He trusts this letter. And verse 4 says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, this is going to be one of the key points of the message today. Remember, the number one thing is that you have a passionate, consuming all-inclusive, loving relationship with Jesus. That's the main goal. Listen to how this goes in the passage here. He says, I want you to say to these people, in verse 4, all these people that are carried, in verse 5 he says, I want you to build houses and settle down. What an interesting word. I want you to build houses. Now remember, these people are in captivity. And the false prophets are saying, don't worry about it. Next year, your situation is going to be a lot different. You're going to be in Jerusalem next year. Don't worry. And God says, uh, here's the message. You're going to be here a long time. I want you to settle down, build houses, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, Find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. And verse 7 is a profound statement. Are you ready? Here's what God's Word says. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Isn't that an unusual command? You're in captivity. You're in a place where you don't want to be. You're in a situation that you find very confusing. Sometimes it's very scary. Sometimes life happens like that. And God says, settle down, build houses, plant crops, marry your kids off, have lots of kids and grandkids. 
and uh, increase in number so that you don't decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And then in verse 10, here's an answer. You say, well, uh, Don, how long were they going to be in Babylon? How long? And he says, this is what the Lord says. When... Seventy years are completed. I will come and I will fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back. And then the famous verse that you are really familiar with, for I know, who knows? God knows. God knows, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future, and then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back from captivity, and I'm going to gather you from all the nations and places where you're banished, and I'm going to bring you back. You may be in a place this morning, you may be in your own Babylon this morning. You may be in a place that you didn't want to be. You may be going something through something in your life that you don't want to go to. You may be experiencing something in your life personally, in your marriage, in your health, in your job in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, you may be in a place where you would rather not be. You may be in your own Babylon this morning. These children of Israel were certainly in a place they didn't want to be, and false people came and said, hey, don't worry about it. Next year in Jerusalem, everything's going to be fine. And God says, no, not next year. You're going to be in this place where you are. You're going to be in the place where you are. You will be in the place where you are for a season of time. And while you are there, do not waste this time. Do not think, well, don't try to be somewhere where you're not, in other words. That's really hard to do. Be where you are. Think about it. Pray about it. Plant your crops. Be a blessing to the city. Pray for their welfare. In other words, settle in where you are. This is your place of Babylon for right now. At some point, when I deem it right, when I will bring you out of this place, it will be a good place. But where you are right now is where you are. So let's go to the next slide. I'll just kind of, we're just kind of, kind of go on to this a little bit. So... Why was there captivity in Babylon? Because uh, they had disobeyed God. They hadn't kept the Sabbaths, actually, for a long time. And God said, 
I'm going to put a year in there for every seven years that you didn't keep your year-long Sabbath time. They were going to be in Babylon for 70 years, and then there was this word to the captives. And this word to the captives was this. Settle down, plant your harvest, have a family, and listen to this. Be a blessing in Babylon. That's the message this morning. Be a blessing in Babylon. Pray for their city, have a family, plant the harvest, be a blessing, pray for their welfare. So the question then becomes, what does it really mean to be a blessing in Babylon? We're going to go up a slide or two. What does it mean to be a blessing in Babylon? For whom does the blessing, from whom does the blessing come? The answer is the blessing comes to us from God and through us to those with whom we are where we're at. Be a blessing. So when we talk about life itself, sometimes we will always, when people come to see me, by the way, you know that in the work that I do at Emerge, we are a very large Christian mental health center. Everyone that is there is a follower of Jesus Christ. We use the principles of Scripture in what we do. We are well-trained. We're all licensed. We have uh, 35 therapists on our team. We're seeing over 500 people a week. And it's hard to keep up. And I can tell you that most of the time when people come to see me, it's not when things are going well in their life. I mean, people don't usually wake up uh, and say, well, my goodness, uh, my marriage is thriving. Uh, my health is good. The bank account's in the black. The kids are listening. Occupation is going great. I'm just going to go in and see Dr. Litchie. You know what? That doesn't happen very often. Usually it's when someone loses their job, they lose their health, they've gotten a bad uh, medical report, uh, they're strained in their relationships, they've lost something. A memory of a trauma surfaces, that's usually when people come. And so when we talk about why, sometimes we say, okay, first of all, what's the why? That's, we're going to go up a slide here. And I can tell you that when we talk about uh, why, finding your why, uh, it's going to be your purpose, your mission, what is God doing, and your main purpose in life. My friends this morning, please hear this in the name of Jesus Christ. Your main mission in life is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus said, and the second great command is to do what? Love your neighbor as, as yourself. So we're to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to do what needs to be done in the place where you are. So I want to ask you as, as, as believers this morning, this is, a, this is not a trick question. It's not a psychological test. I promise. People are always wondering, is he looking at me? Yeah, I'm, I'm, keep talking, I'm diagnosing you. You know, I mean, this is sometimes what people will, this, they assume when, when they talk to a psychologist. But here's my question this morning. Uh, in all honesty, can kind of take the mask off a little bit and just be real. Uh, do you really want to do the will of God? Uh, that's kind of a question. Just, it's okay to respond. Do you want to do the will of God? Uh, are you willing to do the will of God? 
Are you willing to be willing to do the will of God? Mission View, good morning. Do you want to do the will of God? Are you willing to do the will of God? Are you willing to be willing to do the will of God? Okay, now, if that's the case, and I'm going to assume that you're being really honest this morning, if that's the case, is God smart enough, good enough, wise enough to take someone who has a willing heart and bring them to the place where he wants them right now? What do you think? I mean, is God smart? I mean, you kind of get that idea. Do you think Jesus knows more about relationships than Dear Abby, for example? Uh, do you think he knows more about finance than Louis Rukeyser? And uh, does he know more about computers than Bill Gates? I mean, he's brilliant and he's smart. And if we as his people are willing to do his will and we're willing to be willing to do his will and we're even willing to be willing to be willing to do his will, we can assume that the place where we are right now is exactly where God wants us to be. In fact, the place where you are this very moment is exactly where God wants you to be because you want to do his will. And that is something that the, ch these, the children of Israel had to learn in Babylon, that the place where they were is the place where they were, and the place where they were is where God wanted them to be at that moment, and the place where they were at that moment, he said, I want you to be a blessing in this place. Instead of thinking about where you're not, you're not back in Jerusalem. Yep, you're right, we're not back in Jerusalem. And late, earlier on they say, well, we're not back in Egypt. Yep, right, we're not back in Egypt. Peter had to sometimes say, well, I'm not back fishing. You're right, I'm not back fishing. So the question is, where are you? And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you say, I am here, I am now, I am following you, I want to follow you, I want to do your will, and I'm willing to do it, and assume that the place where you are right now is exactly where God wants you to be. And God's word to you today Please hear this in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Be a blessing in your Babylon. You may be in a place where you'd rather not be. That happens all the time. And when we talk about the extension of your virtue, uh, I don't know if this is going to come up or not. Yeah, you know, we, we sometimes get very tired and we have something called compassion fatigue and and the Word of God comes and says, don't grow weary in well-doing because it's easy to do. People get burned out. And then sometimes this happens. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, go ahead to the next slide just when I go like that. I mean, that, that can happen with a lot of stress. And I can tell you that does not taste good and it's not on the paleo diet. So just so you know. So the question that I want to ask this morning and challenge us with is where is your Babylon? Where is your Babylon? Is your Babylon, well, your Babylon is where you are in your body right now. For better or for worse, for richer or poorer, here we are in this body. And we've got this body and this is our Babylon right now. You're also in your mind. What you think about. Where does your mind go? The scripture is very clear that what you think about all day long is what you're going to become. As a man thinks, as a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. Your emotions, 
What do you feel? What's going on? How are you managing anger and depression and anxiety? And what's going on with your emotions? What about your relationships? How are you doing there? These, those relationships, that person that just gets under your skin, that person that rubs you the wrong way, and every one of us has got those people in our life. Can I just say this? That's your Babylon. And God says, be a blessing in your Babylon. Instead of running away thinking, no, well, you know, next year I'm not going to be in this place. As they, the song says, take this job and, well, you know, the rest of that, right? Some of you remember that. What's going on in my spiritual life? Does God seem close? Does God seem distant? Does God seem near? Does God seem far? What's going on in my family? What about my job and career? I want to say that that body that you have, that mind that you have, those emotions that you have, that uh, relationships that you have, that spiritual life that you have, that uh, place where you are, the family that you have, the marriage that you have, the job that you have, that's your Babylon. And God says, be a blessing in Babylon. So when we talk about this whole person, this is really what it involves, you know. It involves your body and your mind and your emotions and your relationships and your walk with Christ. So the question is, how will, how will, how will you be a blessing? How will you be a blessing in your Babylon? How will you be a blessing in your relationships and with your church family and your neighbors? And uh, how about this one? How about at the grocery store? That person that's checking you out. I mean, cashing you out, I suppose, would probably be the best way to put that. <laughs> Boy, that's interesting comment. <laughs> they might be checking you out as well, but uh, they're certainly cashing you out. Can you be a blessing to them? How about the person that serves you at the restaurant? How about the person that cleans the building? How about the person that may not seem like they've got a lot of status in life? Can you be a blessing to them? Can you give them a word of encouragement? Can you say thank you? Thank you to our worship team. Thank you for the way that they serve us. Thank you to our pastor and the family. And thank you for your elders and those that lead the church and that care for your souls. Do you ever write them just a note and say, hey, you know what? I just want you to know I'm really grateful. I'm really thankful for you. That's being a blessing in Babylon. And you can think of all different kinds. You know, so you think about what's really important in life and why we exist. And, and uh, you say, well, we exist because God wants us here. Because, as we said, I am willing to do your will. I want to do your will. And I'm willing to be willing to be willing to be willing to be willing to do your will. So I'm assuming that the place where I am right now, this place and this time, is exactly where you want me to be. The values, the core values, the vision, the mission, the leadership, the leading that's going on here in this fellowship, it's amazing. And I would say that, that very clearly your mission is to bring, listen, your mission is to bring the kingdom of God into the place where you are. You say in, on, on I-77? Yes, I-77. Bring the kingdom of God into that place. Because I can say this, 
that unless you, because of where you are, unless you bring the kingdom of God into that place, in the place where you are, there's a good chance. Listen, there's a good chance that the kingdom of God will not come unless it comes through the place where you are because God chooses to use people. Overcome evil with good. Love one another. Give your life away. Would you consider along the way, would you possibly consider journaling the journey and just actually seeking God and then saying, you know, we're going to, you know, when you say seek God, don't make it all that complicated. Seek God like, like you seek your lost keys or maybe more important, your lost iPhone. Oh man, where did I put it? You know, it's got, and you seek after it. And God says, look, if you seek me, if you seek me like that with everything you've got, you're going to find me because God really likes to be found and he's going to show up. Give your life away. Journal the journey. And there are always five habits that have got to be in place if you're going to be in this journey and do it well. Number one is called humility. And number two is called humility. And number three is called... And number four. And number five. About six years ago... I had to learn some very tough lessons about Babylon. And I'll kind of bring this to an end here in just a couple minutes. So the worship team, that's your cue to get ready. About six years ago, I was training for my 12th marathon. I'm not a runner-runner. I'm a plotter. I plod. And my main goals when I run are to show up and finish without an ambulance. That's it. But I started doing it and running, and I got to really, I liked it, and so I was training for my 12th full marathon when I started to feel this incredible pain in my back. And um, as it turned out, making a long story really, really short, my spine fell apart. Literally. It collapsed. And when they put me in the hospital. I couldn't walk for over eight months. They did a diagnosis on me and something that I've been able to connect with very well with Steve and Lee is that I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma cancer. It was 70% occupied in my blown marrow and uh, it ate away all through my spine, my hips, big holes. I was off of my feet for almost eight months. And God in his mercy has allowed me to come back a little bit. But I can tell you, it's a little easier to take care of your hair when you don't have it, when you lose it. And someone once said to me, don't waste a good cancer. Well, that's easy to say. Uh, but I can tell you, it was a Babylon for me. I was, had been healthy. I hadn't gone to the doctors for years. I was running my 12th marathon. And now I'm in a hospital bed, being hooked up to chemotherapy on Monday and not taken out till Friday so sick, so weak, not really wondering whether I was going to make it or not. All the way through 2012, went through that journey. That was my Babylon. And I said, Lord, I know where I'm going to go when I die. I'm not afraid of that. I just would like to stick around a while and, and see how the grandkids come out, you know. I was interested in that. And God, in his great mercy, has allowed me to come back and uh, so this was kind of a, a situation that occurred about 
a year and a half after that with all the treatments and things like that. Go on to the next slide. And last fall, last September, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago today, was able to cross that line and finally finish that 26.2. This is my only... <laughs> well, thank you. Listen, I'll, what you don't know is that when I came into the stadium, when I came into the ballpark, I didn't realize that there was a video that was going on. And as I was going through there and, and uh, raising my hands with the two guys that ran with me, I just kept saying, hallelujah, 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 you know. One, because the race was almost over. That was a good thing. But just the fact that for the glory of God, now I don't have to do any more marathons. And this is my one and only selfie. That's by, the, oh, go back one. That's my, I think, uh, that's my one and only selfie I've ever taken. You guys take them all the time, right? I was able to go up to my oncologist, uh, the next slide, and uh, share with her. And she has, uh, I don't know exactly where she's at with the Lord, but I did preach last year at the Chinese church in Akron. And she came down, as you can tell, she would fit right in. And the people loved her, and then she has talked to me about her faith in Christ. I've had people that have come that I've been able to pray with as recently as yesterday, someone that was diagnosed with multiple myeloma that I talked to from out of state, never have met him, but we talked on the phone and I was able to share my journey and pray with him. Listen, that's my story. That's my Babylon. Where's your Babylon this morning? Do you know that that because of Jesus Christ, you are lovable, that you're valuable, that you're forgivable, that you're changeable, and that in your Babylon right now, you're never alone. And people are going to remember some things about you that are very important. Go ahead, up two slides. They're going to remember at the end, go one more. They're going to remember how you lived in your Babylon. They're going to remember how you lived. They're going to remember how you loved. And they're going to remember how you left. And Jesus Christ says to you this morning, you don't need to be afraid. In your Babylon right now, you don't need to be afraid because I am with you and you can fear not. So I just ask you this morning to consider a couple of things. One is, how can I passionately be in love with Jesus Christ? And number two, where's my Babylon and how can I be a blessing in Babylon, in my Babylon? Amen? God bless you. Thanks for letting me come this morning and share. Thank you, guys.